All right, social media family. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us for our final installment in the Christian philosophy series. Now we are in lesson 14 tonight. Lesson 14, our final lesson. Now the subtitle for this lesson is In the World, But Not of It. In the World, But Not of It. So this is kind of honestly thinking about this subject is kind of like a, a summary for real for what we've been talking about. Because I know we've been talking about some very controversial, heavy hitting topics here because our the Christian philosophy versus what the philosophy of the world is, is kind of different, if we can say that, right, in, in the very least. So what I want us to do now, just thinking about how we've looked at creation, abortion, homosexuality, these, these issues, right? How can we as believers be set apart, be salt, but be witnesses at the same time. How can we fulfill all these functions at the same time? Because our the title of our lesson, In the World But Not Of It, speaks to that. Now, how many of us have kind of gotten confused or still have you know questions about what our role is, our place is? in our community, in our families, in reference to our witness for Christ, in both our lifestyle and just our, our speech. It's so funny because I was just talking, Mom and I were talking about this today. That's where we were. Well, somebody said, you know, we used to go, like, you know, like where I came from, you know, mine thinking it was like, don't be of the swirl, but it was the, you know, the religious thinking of you got to have your skirt down to your ankles, you got to dress drab, you, gotta, you know, it was that kind of idea and a lot of denominations believe that way. And I go, you know, I thought, I said, I think we did work so hard on that kind of stuff in the church in general, but I was, it was funny, we were talking about, it, I go, I think we're supposed to be known, you know, they will you know, know you by your love. I think being known by our love. And not the wishy-washy kind, you know, standing up for standards, but doing it because, you know, we honor God and because it's what's best for us. Not just throwing an idea out. That's, what I would That's the key, though. The key is love. Mm -hmm. Even when they're doing something you absolutely hate, if you come alongside them and love them, uh, that breaks barriers down. Yeah. It's not good knowing. Yeah. No. Like you're loving the person, you're not loving the sin, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's telling the person it's like this. Because everybody, I, I came out of the the world, and everybody I knew was was a you know, drug addict or a, you know doing some kind of breaking some kind of law, like living together and you know just crazy stuff. And uh, I loved them all. You know, didn't 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 say keep keep up the good work or anything, you know. But I would uh, I would I would be their friends, and eventually they come around and want to talk with you and counsel with you, you know. Yeah. And one of the things too, like you said, when you show love, they're going like, How can you be so cheery and loving? Well, you know what? They know they know they don't deserve it. 
And when you're loving them anyway, it, it, just something happens. Yeah. Something good happens. I've had people go like, I don't understand why you're so cheery. Why do you act that way? You, I know things aren't right. And they go, because uh, uh, I, I love people. I don't like everything they do, but I love people. I just love people. I don't know. I knew this girl that had five abortions and she knew my stand on it, but she would still come around the house and want to talk and, and, uh, you know, spend time with me. And what are you going to do? Love them. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get into the scriptures here. Let's go to second Corinthians chapter six, second Corinthians chapter six. And we'll start at verse 14. <coughs> All right, let me read that in the, in the New Living Translation. All right. Now, I'm going to read verse 14 and then and what we're used to in the King James, and then I'm going to read the rest of the chapter here in the New Living Translation. All right. So verse 14 in the King James chapter, in the second Corinthians chapter six says, but be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion have light with darkness. Okay. Now verse 14 in the, I'm reading the Amplified. Now listen to how I have phrased it here. It says, do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Okay. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness. How can light live with darkness? Verse 15. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. All right, so my question is, so what does that look like? Because when I ask that question, I'm using an example. So you see, you may see a Christian artist team up with the you consider a secular artist and you know they allow them to sing on some type of Christian song or you may see you know a preacher team up with somebody in the world to do something you know which I wouldn't say necessarily ungodly so my question is, so what does that look like? When you said not equally yoked, you have Christian over here team up with unsaved here. 
you know, for something particular to show or something like that. And so sometimes they get negative feedback from that. Sometimes it's positive feedback. I think it depends on what you, how you see being yoked. Think that yoke, being yoked is something a lot stronger than that. Well, I think if your partner's in business and one person is not a Christian, you're going to get to a place where you're not going to agree. That's the yoke. And God's That's... just protecting you from that kind of stuff. It's true because I've wondered before, we had a couple of one of our churches, the woman, you know, about being married and equally yoked too. I've thought about that before. The woman was actively involved in the church prayer, warrior, everything. Mm -hmm. And her husband, didn't, it's not that he hated God, he just was, I guess he was not really walking with God very close, he was saved, but he didn't go to church at all, and I go, but they made it work, they were married, and I go, I guess they were content, I think, and it might be, see, I'm bad at this, like a scripture about that, like, yes. they both are content, yeah. I go, if you I've wondered that too, because it says no feeling. Yeah. Scripture yeah. says the husband can be sanctified by the wife or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. If one's yeah. saved and one's not. Yeah. And um, I just wonder sometimes myself the questions like you know, Eric was saying to you, know, like sometimes you wonder. Well, you can't go into that knowing somebody's an unbeliever. You can't go into an unequal relationship. But if, if you're she, was, in it, then, she yeah. was not saved or he was not, when they got married and then salvation happened, there's not a lot you can do about that. But if I mean you go open eyed and marry somebody who's not a believer, right? But my thing is, you know, people. If you if you see, like I gave an example, you see somebody from the Christian world partner with somebody that's secular, um, and then they may say, "Well, okay, you can't judge it because you don't know what that unsaved person is going through, you know, things." And so, you know, don't say anything about it. But I mean. Well, you, you, with, with with your eye, you see this this unsaved person, or I would say the secular, doing nothing to really. You can see in that light that glorifies God, and you're like, well, why would you team up with them to sing this? You know, and so um, maybe it depends on the heart behind it. Why the Christian person did it? I mean, if. If they were doing, I personally think this time, or oh, we just want to get more crowds to listen to our music, and they could put like a secular artist. In. Right. Okay. I think that's so totally wrong. But me personally, me personal opinion. But if they did it to try to shine the light a little to a lot higher crowd, you know, like oh my God, I really want to do this, and gotcha, I'm like, yeah, you know, go ahead and partner up with whatever dog, you know, rapper or something, you know, and they got got right, more people. Right. I think it comes down to the heart. I don't know. That's not how I would think of it anyway. Hmm. Okay. You know, you know, just to kind of spend on what she said, you know, I was looking at that scripture and really listening to it. It says, don't be unequally yoked. So it kind of really don't say don't be yoked together. It says don't be unequally yoked. So, so can we go into something, um, a relationship or a partnership, but as long as our light shines more than the darkness, then it's okay, you know, and we will always maybe be a witness along the way um, and then just be leery and wary of that it doesn't get unequally yoked, meaning that my light don't start getting them and then the darkness start, you know, uh, overpowering or being greater than my light. Hmm. Interesting. 
These are some good. Um, some good there's some good feedback here. We got some takes, don't we? There are some other translations of "Do not be unequally yoked." All right, let's go to. It says you can't have fellowship with with unrighteousness. I'm gonna read the Passion translation. Let's see what this says. Verse 14. Uh, it's it's similar to the Amplified. Okay. Says, "Don't continue to team up with unbelievers in mismatched alliances." Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I'm going to read the footnote here. It says, Paul's teaching here includes marital, business, and personal relationships. Mm -hmm. We never abandon our responsibility to reach the world, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 mm -hmm. to 10, but we must stare clear of relationships that will divide our loyalty to Christ. Like if the person is, is making a demand to pull away from, why are you so like, why do you have to be like that? Can't you just, you know, settle things or even direct things? Or would you to lower your standards? Yeah, that's what, like you said, you know, pecking at it a little here, a little there. That would be trying to undermine, and it depends on how you, how strong you are to, to you, though. No, I can't do this. That that would be sort of... This scripture is pretty strong, though, saying don't do it. Don't be unequally. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's strong. strong. But um, that's why I said, you know, like I know, for example, I gave an example one time, you know, person that I was, you know, friends with, you know, and I was menacing to them and they was like, you know, well, and I invited them to the, my ministry at the time. They was like, well, if you come to the club with me, I go in. I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> It's like, no, there's you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't do that. No, cause I, that's I'll go not, have lunch with you, you know. Right, but, but I'm, I'm saying going, going yeah. So, but I, so I'm, to go to I'm like, Jesus is is very is very strong there. So, I'm, and I, like I said, I see a lot of things where people say, "Well, you know what? You can't judge, you can't say because you don't know what's going in the heart." But I'm saying, if you align yourself with that person that you know is not, then, and I know you, you know, they with hopes to win them. I get that, but I'm not sure if I would align, you know myself with them in certain situations to win them over. That's what yeah. she was just saying, you know, lowering your standards. You right. shouldn't, if you're being called to do that, that's like step back. You better step back because they're trying to, you know, the enemy's trying to undermine, you know, and put, you know, your, your salt, the, the salt and the light is not going to be very good. This is going to start to cast it on you, not them, on you. That's like, okay. going to the club. Okay. It's come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing. I mean, this is strong. This is strong words. I mean, because he's quoting Leviticus 26, yeah, 12 yeah. and Ezekiel 37, 27 here. This is, you know, he's, he's quoting these scriptures here. This, you know, uh, Isaiah 52, 11, Ezekiel 20 and 34. So then where it says, don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. Now, why is Paul saying this? This new covenant now, this is the second letter to the Corinthians. Mm -hmm. So this is the later letter. This ain't the first one. Right. So this is the grace man. But he's quoting this. And almost all the people around him at that time were, were demon worshipers and uh, they, they were sacrificing babies. They were doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, it, he, he made it real strong not to be hooked up with them. But I think when you, when you do that, you pardon it. There's a temptation to compromise. And I think, me personally, I see a lot of compromise in the body of Christ now. It's a lot of compromise. Yeah, yeah. You know, that is going on. It said, well, you know what? Uh, we don't compromise our standard because 
you know, they want to fit in. Um, they don't want to be seen as better than somebody else or so therefore we compromise our standards and say, well, I'm just going to go on with it. You know, I'm not, oh, I'm not going to say anything about it. You know, I'm just going to go with the flow. And there's a guy on TV. Silent. There's a guy on TV who deals with this stuff and he said, they asked him questions like that and he said, I'm not here to justify social norms and bend scripture to fit it. I'm here to tell you what scripture says. And he just lays the scripture on you. And, and I thought, that's a breath of fresh air because you don't hear that anymore. You hear a lot of people say, well, you know, we could. And when you start doing that, you start mm -hmm. watering the word down. So I, I think it's very important to go over breaking this down because, see, I look at it from a former, like, poisoned by religion mind I used to have, you know, and I look at it like, I used to look at this as, don't do this, don't do this, right. don't do this. I mean, I live where I couldn't breathe, you know, so, and I've even heard of, you know, it wasn't, like I said, Satan, there's nothing new under the sun, he uses it, just, it was me personally, for me, I didn't, I wasn't going to church like that, but folks who go to churches like that, and I remember, it's actually one lady, um, she has a testimony on Andrew Womack's web website, um, one of the ones that were caught in religion really heavy, they were raised in it, and she talked about, like, she couldn't even watch a go to a movie growing up like with a friend because the fear was she'd go to the movie she'd see something in the movie sin and go to hell she died and i'm like that's just horrible and then you know we could we could you know misinterpret this and go, don't touch don't touch don't 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 but to go like you know don't do the things that you know are wrong but making sure you know they're wrong you know like talking to god and praying and seeking his word seeking him and going like god i heard people preach that I was at a meeting one time, and the guy said, if you get in the same pool with a woman that has a bathing suit on, oh, and you have a bathing suit on, he said, that's mixed swimming. And he said, you're headed for hell if you mix swim. And I thought, man, I never heard this kind of stuff. And he was talking about the clothes, too. Mm. And the, Andrew don't yeah. know that. He was, right. he was heavy on him. So doesn't that, now that sounds like what some of the, the priests did back in the day, right, yeah. with the law. Yeah. You're not. You're not just. You're not just taking the scripture for what it is, but you add a little more to it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You add adding adding more prohibitions. Your own prohibitions. A type of control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the more you add, the more you're in bondage. The more you try to control someone by don't do, don't, don't, don't. Mm -hmm. Instead of that's what the thing with when Jesus came, he said all these these two things he did. You know. All along, the, the prophet's hung on it. He told us what we could do instead of constantly going, don't, 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 don't. This like with the doctor thing I told you, it made me feel like, well, shoot, if you're going to tell me, all you're going to tell me is what I can't do, I'm not supposed to shoot me like fire squad because this is the point in living. Instead of telling me, this is what you can do. This is what you can do. It was all, don't, 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 or you'll die. And that's exactly what it is when they were doing that. They put their finger, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, or you'll die. You, you're under the, you know. In, in Israel, they're setting, trying to set up a second temple. And the criteria for the Levitical priests, they could not have been born in a hospital. They can never go to a funeral because they're around a dead body. It contaminates them. Uh, they can never have a vaccination. What else is there? Uh uh, they can never have been with another woman other than their wife. I mean, for this is for life. Um, and I, I heard this, these guys talking about this. And I said, "Wow! I mean, to this this day, 
is what when they're, you know, and like they're trying to find red heifers now for the ceremony they're going to do. If that heifer got has has an ear tag, it's disqualified. If it has one white hair, it's disqualified. Uh, I mean, it's amazing the, the, the stuff they go through to make something kosher. And that's beyond the beyond, yeah. Yeah. All right, let me let me go back to the scripture here because I'm I'm you know I'm listening to everybody and I'm hearing this, and I you know you I just I hear this playing itself out in the conversation of different believers, you know, depending on what camp you come from, right, and how many different interpretations there are to this, but we can't get away from how strong this language is mm -hmm. here, you know. So I'm going to read this in the, in the New American Standard. All right. 14 says, do not bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Righteousness and lawlessness. All right. What fellowship has light with darkness? So, so you got dichotomies. Mm -hmm. All right. Difference, the polar differences. A righteous man and a lawless man, right? Light, darkness. Verse 15. What harmony has Christ with being Malau? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Strong. Mm -hmm. It's clear distinction. Because another example I got is like, okay, so what if I'm, like people who are in the celebrities, movie industry, okay, and of course, you know, if you go to Hollywood, Hollywood has, you know, they, they don't go what sells. Mm -hmm. Sin City. Uh, right. <laughs> and so if, if I'm a believer that's, that's in that industry, Okay, you know, we want to do a movie. Okay, I, I partner with them and you and the movie. So they like, okay, hey, here's what we want. This is what we want you from. Now, if that goes against, you know what the word says, do I compromise? Do I go along with it? Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, right, but I'm saying, but a lot of them saying, okay, this is my livelihood. This is my, you know, hey, this is how I live. This is it. So they need to find something else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not nugget, but I'm just saying these guys are saying that it's my livelihood. This and that. Hey, you know what? I do this. So it, that's that. Compromise coming. Yeah, they rationalize. Right, and a lot. I, and that's how all sin, all sin starts. Right. Give give up this for that. Right. Every 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 sin starts like and that. And they're torn. You know, the line is like, okay, well, do I do this? You know. But I gotta feed my family. I'm like you. You gotta believe God and just like okay, find something or find another Christian movie Christian film. film which you do, but you know there are some believers who are like eh, you know I'm gonna go ahead and do this. And right. So, right. So that's almost it. the the scripture where Jesus is is rebuking the church about in Revelation about eating. The food that has been delivered to idols, right? Thinking about the, the whole spirit of compromise, mm -hmm. where you know, if 
you just bend a little bit here, then you can have access to X, Y, Z. Right. Right. But doesn't that go back to the temptation that mm-hmm. Jesus faced in them? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. after the 40 days, 40 nights, right? You can have all of this. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is fall down and worship me. That's it. You can have all of this, right? This compromise, temptation to compromise and see. And when we talk about being unequally yoked, I think that what trips us up is what does that, like Terry is mentioning, what does that look like being yoked together? Right. Now, going out and having a, a, a chicken sandwich with an unbeliever is not being yoked with them. Right. Going to, you know, have some McDonald's or Chick fil A sandwiches with somebody who's unsafe. That's not being yoked to them. Now, getting married to somebody. That's a big deal. That's an unbeliever. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Or going in partnership with somebody that's just not a believer and you're a believer. Because mm-hmm. you, if you go in business, mm-hmm. you're going to have some big di- differences. Now, see, now that opens up another can of worms, right? Because how many of us believers patronize and own shares in companies led by demonic mm-hmm. people? Mm-hmm. Unbelievers. So if if I have stock or if I have vested interest in a corporation, am I compromised? You need to ask God before you buy that stock. That's my opinion. You've got to be led in everything you do. That is the key. Mm-hmm. That's very true because... I'm one, I mean, if something's bad enough for a company, I'll boycott it. But at the same time, I found myself one time going like, God, so-and-so grocery store or something. They, their CEO, just say, I'm just making up something crazy. He's a very avid backer of abortion or something. I'm like, okay, I don't need to be, you know, supporting this right now, especially if it's something really big. But however, I got to think one day about God. What if... There's a person shopping down one of the aisles and what if they need to hear about you? You know, am I going to, you know, listen and go, hey, I want you to shop at whatever, you know, world, food world or whatever that day, you know. And I and it, it started to, like, make me think. I go, that's where when we said it, the relationship with God, talking to him and being, like, discerning each moment. It's like, you know, being like that, basically. Because yeah. I know I went, I know this small season where I worked at Anna the Bush at the tent. You know, and I you know, met one believer and I told him I worked and he was like, why are you working there? He was like, you know, drinking is a sin. I said, well, I'm not drinking, I'm just working there. And so he was, you know, like, okay, well, you shouldn't be working there because they sell alcohol. And, you know, Lord didn't, Lord didn't said, say drinking was a problem. I had a friend that did that too, and he, he witnessed there and stuff. Yep. And I said, but I'm not well, drinking time, alcohol. I'm working for a dude, company. Love God very much. And yep. you and, and right. But drinking's not the sin. Drunkenness is the right. sin. Right. But I'm just I'm like, okay, I'm kind of. But there are some people, if you even walk in the building, you're, you're guilty. Yeah, exactly. But, but the scripture that, well, I got scripture for that. Let not your good be evil spoken of. Mm hmm. Right? 
But see, this, this is why this topic is something you can just kind of, you can oh, milk this thing. Yes. And we found that out in Europe. Every Christian we knew had a beer with their lunch or a beer with their dinner you because they don't that. drink Coca-Cola. They don't drink iced tea. They don't no. drink water. Yeah. Culturally, that's what, and they didn't sit there and get drunk. They had a beer with their lunch. Or in some places, they had a glass of wine with their dinner. There was no drunkenness. No, there I never, was saw, any, never there. saw anybody drunk. <laughs> and, and but everybody there, drank. There were other places where drinking coffee was the sin. So, <laughs> yeah. Right, that's, what Andrew, that's what Andrew yeah, said right. when he was talking about that he went to these different places. He goes, one place they, you know, if you smoke, it's not that bad. He goes, and they're drinking. They're not yes. drunk, but they're drunk. They're having a beer with yeah. their lunch. He said, I'm at these lunch and all these people. The other you, I know he goes it very well, but it's like all these different one, one, um, one was vice versa. Yeah, yeah, right. He goes, that one, you don't do that. That's wrong. He goes, and they're doing the opposite. Mark Lowry uh, wrote, wrote a skit about the Baptist churches have like uh, patios and behind the church with railings and roofs. He goes, Well, they have to have a place for the deacons to smoke. You know? Oh <laughs> my gosh, he went there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he always goes in. But see, and, and it just kind of illustrates the point of how, you know, we have to be careful about how we, we apply this, how we walk Being this out. Right? And this is why the Holy Spirit is being led is so necessary. Yeah. It's just a prime example because, you know, you, you, you can look at this. And you could turn this into legalism so fast. You could mm-hmm. very right, so. right. And but if, but if I look at it, if I don't look at it with the gravity and the the, the seriousness that's necessary, then I'm opening up myself for compromise as well. Right. On the other side of that, because again, you know, these the scriptures is extremely strong. Is is there's no real ambiguity in reference to what he's saying about the dichotomy between light and darkness. What's the application, right? Because I I was like when y'all were talking, I'm like maybe one of these studies I need to bring a Guinness, um, <laughs> a, a Starbucks coffee, and a, and a and a cigar, and just have it. But I have all three of them sitting here, right. I'm like, look at that. Is, you know, somebody see that, like, look at that devil. <laughs> trying to trying to teach and, and facilitate Bible study with all them unfilthy, clean, unclean things. Right? Mm-hmm. But while they just finished getting off the phone gossiping to five mm-hmm. other people. I was going to say that. <laughs> and right. you know, we always think, I think, in the church body, I mean, you know, when we think sin or compromise, we're always thinking like Oh my gosh, sexual sin, oh my gosh, trigger, or this, you know, that, you know, goes on the list. And I go, you know, hatefulness. And I go, what we were just talking about, they'll know us by our love, and that's the big mm-hmm. differential, the true love, you know, mm-hmm. God's love. I got to thinking, I go, I used to work at a place, and it was just women, it was an outlet store. And it was so easy, looking back, anymore I was there, I knew it was easy to slip into hatefulness because it was. I work at a grocery store now, and I, I love it. It's big. You don't have time, even if you wanted to gossip. And it's just my coworkers. I know them all, love them, like them, whatever. But I don't really know anything about them. They don't really know anything about me because you know, do that kind of you thing. Just work there. You just work there. Oh, and we get on. But I go in this outlet store. I was at. I go. We had so much time on our hands. Two hours from seven o'clock to nine o'clock at night, still open, no customers. 
and you talk to even the one you know is the most gossipy because you're bored, and you go, and I go, it's just, it was so easy to be pulled into, oh, I heard that Mm -hmm. Jennifer, she's been sleeping around, Mm -hmm. or this or that, and and it gets your heart hard. It's that your heart, sorry, heart, heart, heart. You'd be better off to drink a beer. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, what is the worst sin, you know, like, and that's not God's love. That's good. Yeah, that's real. When I, when I first got saved, I was working in a factory, and these guys had uh, made up a, a room outside the factory out of cases, these giant cases that were as big as that wall, and they had a room in there about 20 by 20, and you had to go like through a maze to get back to it, and that's where they all went to smoke dope, and mm-hmm. I used to smoke dope with them in there. Well, once I got saved, I'd go in there to witness to them, and I was the only person in there that that was allowed in there that didn't smoke dope with them, but they still wanted me to come in because I had been with them, you know, for a couple of years smoking dope and, you know, fellowshipping. And then I went in there with with Jesus and at first they just couldn't believe it. They wanted to look at me like a tadpole, you know, and then then they started asking me questions. How did it happen? Did it really happen? Was it really like that? And it was good. Now, if somebody saw me going in there and didn't know why, I mean, they could have said, oh, this guy's back where he started from. You know, but it wasn't that way at all. And I wasn't tempted at all. It was just the Lord leading me. And see, with me trying a bar out, like I said, this is just my story personally. So may have more of a struggle, but I go, I mean, like I said, I didn't care what God thought in that sense of the time I was angry at God. But I go, I went in a bar and I don't want to be in the bar. I looked around, I go, I mean, I like literally just found myself, like I said, my three and a half experiences with a bar. I'm like thinking about, okay. I just want to go to IHOP after. I really didn't want to be there. I was just like, this is not what I envisioned this to be, you know. <laughs> so, and that you know, and that's the Holy Spirit, you know. Protect, yeah, you know, Jesus' uh, story sounds like uh, uh, in the Book of Acts when Paul, when he went into the temple and just kind of did what the unbelieving Jews did, and he shaved his head and worshipped with them, and and he was there for a purpose to 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 be a witness and minister until I think somebody recognized him from the past and and then he got arrested shortly after but but he was all just about doing what they do even though he know he didn't have to do those things anymore and even though he had a personal relationship with with the Lord Jesus now but but it was um you know it was I think it was it was effective ministry. He was in there trying to open doors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm gonna mess y'all up now. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm gonna read. Let's go to. Uh, we gonna read verse one in chapter chapter seven, and then we gonna go to back to First Corinthians chapter nine after that. All right. Now it says I'm gonna read this in the in the Passion translation in the, in the New Living it says in the Passion translation it says beloved ones. With promises like these, because of our deepest respect and worship of God, we must remove everything from our lives that contaminates body and spirit and continue to complete the development of holiness within us. In the New Living, it says, because we have these promises. Let me pause. And, you know, he's referring to specifically in context of what he just spoke of at the end of chapter six. Dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit 
and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Okay. Again, very strong. Strong. Very strong. All right. Now, how do I walk this out? Looking at, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First. We're going to start at verse 19. All right. This is Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. All right. He says, even though I am a free man with no master, I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was a Jew, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I can bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in his blessings. What's the definition of a weak? Now, remember in Romans where Paul talked about some believers believing you're going to leave vegetables mm -hmm. and others believing you can eat meat. Mm -hmm. And then he talked about how some being weak in faith mm -hmm. do not un do not understand their freedom in Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. So weakness in context, referring back to what Paul was speaking of in Romans, talking about how some have certain prohibitions that they believe are scruples, things that they're, oh, this phrase called mares, like cultural norms mm -hmm. that they have, that people have, and they kind of project that into scriptural, up to the level of scriptural law, right? Now, you see how Paul is saying, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew. When I lived, when I was with those who were under the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. So when we talk about, you know, people having these, these things that, these prohibitions, these cultural constraints, we know, he knows that in Christ he's free. Let's go back to the example with the beer, right? So let's say I'm in a country, I'm in in a in a place where I can I can have a roast beef sandwich and a Guinness and listen to Bible study and fellowship and be free. But if I bought Starbucks coffee in there, 
People be giving me dirty looks. Ready to stone y'all. Ready to lay hands and cast out the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You right? Now, if I have knowledge of this, mm -hmm. right, I'm not going to bring the Starbucks in, that environment, right? Stick with your Guinness. Yeah, I'm going to just enjoy my Guinness. <laughs> of course you are. Right? Because in, in that moment, what I'm doing, I'm not, I'm not bringing schism or I'm not presenting myself as a stumbling block. Because, you know, my own personal preference in that moment. Mm -hmm. Right. So I but I'm not I'm not violating anything by having this Guinness with mm -hmm. the group here. It's just a mm -hmm. cultural thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, of course, if the whole group was pissy drunk, that's that's a different now story. You're violating then scripture. now I'm violating yes, yes. scripture. Yeah. Right. Because I'm engaging in drunkenness, drunkenness. Mm -hmm. And if I, I make it a habit to, to hang out with these group of friends that just get drunk every Friday night. And I'm doing the same thing. Then, then I am becoming yoked with them in their drunkenness. It's what you really allow your heart to embrace. When we have communion at home, she has grape juice and she has kosher wine that we use for communion. When she asked me, she says, what do you want, honey? And I said, I want the stuff Jesus drank. <laughs> and everybody gets quiet. <laughs> Some of them drink all the grape juice. They don't have that freedom, but I do. I said, give me the stuff Jesus drank. That's what I want. They didn't have Welsh right. grape juice. Well, it's not whatever you don't drink. And you're yeah. in that culture. Well, if you're, I'm I talking about communion. I had to do that when we went to Germany multiple times. I mean, everywhere. Everywhere. I, I was the designated it's, it's drinker. Alcohol. And I began to feel, I mean, you could see the offense that people were taking. Because then it's hospitality to offer you that. And I would have you turned it down? I understand. That I have a very low tolerance. If I have any wine, literally about an inch, and I'm done. Because mm. I know my, I just, I don't, I don't do well. Me too. And my dad was an alcoholic. Well, I wish I knew you in the day. You'd have been a cheap drunk. I don't want to go there. <laughs> so too. I just I explained that to our my colleagues, mm -hmm. and so we kind of said he'll be the designated drinker. We're not trying to not be you know fit in with you or or to fellowship with you, but because I don't think there was anything wrong in in having a beer or what. But I said personally, my body doesn't tolerate it, so. It was just this little joke. So, okay, he's the designated drinker. And I didn't do very well at you, you know. Well, because you're not used to. I know. That one guy. But they really appreciate it. That one guy <laughs> gave me a little glass, but that big, I don't know what it was in. It had a coffee bean in it. It was orzo. It was a guy, a guy that owned a restaurant. And I made the mistake by telling him. We had a seafood meal, and I said, this is, I live on the Chesapeake Bay. I said, and this meal was wonderful, the seafood. Well, he got, oh, fuck. Come over to the table with a, a bottle and poured it in this little glass. They put lit it, it on coffee fire. bean in it and lit it on fire for me. And I'm thinking, oh man, I I, I couldn't drink liquor when I drank. And uh, I, I I got it down. I'm thinking, man, I'm glad that's over with. Well, he he, he thought that was great. He poured me another, another one. one. <laughs> and I'm, I I stopped him. And at the second after the second one, I I stood up to hold my arm, honey. She said, why? I said, the sidewalk's that wide. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't fun. What you mean? I did it to, to, to just not hurt their feeling, that guy's feelings, but it was not fun. He was so happy. Yeah.
And, she's not Jean, the owner of the restaurant. Right. No, Jean wasn't happy. Yeah, and see, and, and as we talk and talk about this stuff, right? Now I'm thinking about Eric's point about the, you know, let's say that you're a musical artist and you you with somebody that, you know, they talk about they're a hip hop artist and they want you to just sing sing on their 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 record, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, you and they let you sample the record. Now 12 of the 13 tracks on the, on the record, they're talking about whores, drugs, Killing. violence. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's pretty much, and that's the name of one of the songs, Hoes, Drunks, and Violence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. But, but they come to you and say, hey, Brother Eric, we want you to sing a track, um, a gospel track, number track number um, 11. And we want to do a collab with you. We we will be honored to have you. Now, being in line with First Corinthians nine and Second Corinthians six, how do I respond to that? Okay, brother. The words. The words. No. Know, I don't know if I'm gonna do it or not. The words. Yeah. No. I'm probably not gonna be on. I think I'll probably. Me personally, I knew I'll probably have to pass. That's like it's like a heart thing. You know, yeah. Each person's going to decide. You know, right. and you don't understand. You don't understand sin if you don't realize when you get into it, you're giving up more than you're going to get. I don't care what they're offering you. When you give it up, you're giving up a lot more than they're giving you. Because it's, it's not this sin's not something to play with. I would walk into a grocery store a few years back oh and gosh. just walk through where the wine. Is. I didn't want to walk through it and go. I'd be afraid the spirit's going to jump on me. <laughs> I I'm not going near that. I'm not going to there. All the demons in there. I'm not going in there. I walk through it now and go, ain't nothing in got more fire than me. Terry, Jeez. Terry, Terry makes beef burgundy, mm -hmm. and you need burgundy wine to make it. Mm -hmm. And she sent me all over town trying to find it, and I couldn't find it. So finally, I found it in a food line or something. And the only burgundy wine they had was a half gallon jug. <laughs> I'm standing there holding it in my hand, and the deacon from the church is right next to me. <laughs> And I'm thinking, what a, what a predicament. What a, <laughs> you just get to a point. Right? I'm going to walk over to him and say, hey, my wife's cooking with this. And he would have said, yeah, right. I mean, no, well, he would believe it because nobody drinks burgundy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I remember, though, I don't know if you do, the first time I ever walked down like a wine beer all night, I was even buying vegetables, just walking through the store. And I remember I walked down it, and I kind of didn't say, oh. I'm not worried anymore, God. I know I'm good. I'm not here. I'm great. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, but that's what that's how I was. I was so caught in. I was so scared of it. Mm -hmm. And then I got to the point where I go, they're drinking wine. And then I realized, I go, you know what the Holy Spirit showed me for me? I don't care. Whatever is for somebody else. Mm -hmm. I said, if you're going to use that glass of wine to say, I drink this to relax me and bring me some quiet time, I go, do you have the Holy Spirit? Yeah. That's his job. If you want to drink your wine, Drink it. Don't even get drunk this drink of it, glass for dinner. But don't use it as an excuse to, to calm me. It relaxes me. What is this for? What is the Holy Spirit for? Mm -hmm. I go, that's where I, I check me and go, don't use it as a crutch. You know, that's I like me saying I drink coffee for, for to calm me down. No, you drink it because you like it. <laughs> Sorry, it may relax you. It There's does. an old testament scripture. It says so wine makes a merry heart. It says, but strong, strong drink mm -hmm. uh, does something to the spirit. And uh, John Hagee did a study on it one time, and he said Jesus drank alcoholic wine almost every day of his life. 
everybody did because the water would kill you. So uh, he said they had no stigma about it. We have stigma here. We our problems here. But he never got, of course, we never drank. Right. He never right. he well, of course not. Because that's, that's, well, that's, I mean, because the, the line. Well, Paul was telling Timothy take to take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Stomach. Right. And see, but again, we get we get caught up on all of the, yeah. the particulars and we can't see nuance. Because you can walk in in holiness and still understand nuance. Yes. In how we apply principles, how we live out a life that is that is holy. Right. You you they're they're not mutually exclusive. You can because just like I mean, you talking about Jesus. He was referred to as the what friend of sinners, mm -hmm. right? But he was certainly without, without sin. sin. Mm -hmm. See, that's why we, we you know we got to take this religious badge off and really look at what the scripture is communicating here. Because at the end of the day, everything is a heart issue. Yeah. And and the thing that, that makes religious folks or even some, you know unbelieving critical perfectionist people cringe is the fact that they can't they 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 can look at you but they can't pinpoint or come to, or use use a checklist to tell whether you're holy or not yeah. because at the end of the day again man looks at the outward appearance but god looks at what the heart so when we're talking about these things, just like the example, I'll go back to the example, all right? Now, we can even argue this because let's say that artist who was doing the album gave him a, gave him a text message, an email, reached out to him, said, hey, I know, you know, I, I, I listen to some of your music, man. My, my, my cousin is like going through something, man. I need some prayer, X, Y, Z. You respond back to that person and you pray for them and their cousin gets a breakthrough as a result of your agreement. Now that person comes back in their heart. They're extending some gratitude. You say, hey, man, I got an extra track on my album. I want you to be on. Now. Am I going to be. See, this is why you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because he's going to give you the right direction. Right. right? Let's, say, let's say the Holy Spirit knows, okay, this person, if they're in a fragile state and they, they're in a position where they, they, are, they are this close to giving their life to the Lord. Let's say he gives you the go-ahead. Say, you know what? Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that song. Right? But let's say you and your religiosity just say, nah, I, I can't do that. You're just talking about a bunch of filth and garbage on that. I, I touch not the unclean thing, sir. I can't do that. And that hurts the person. And the enemy takes that opportunity to harden that person's heart again. Right? But there could be also a scenario where the Holy Spirit will tell you, no, you do not mm -hmm. get, get on that album. You do not do that. 
And there would be, I'm sure, a nice, kind way of going. Not just climb I appreciate the offer. Well, then you trust in the Holy Spirit to deal yeah. with that person and yeah. to, to right. make everything right. Right, because we don't know the inner workings. Mm -hmm. And so that's our trust in, in the leading of the Lord. And, that, and again, that's not easy. You have to actually pay attention, you know, to what you what the inner witnesses is saying. You know, that's not it's not robotic. And that takes a real relationship. For being led is a big thing. He'll never lead you into sin. Is this kind you know? of the same thing? A Christian, I mean a real, genuine, strong Christian leader being asked to go on Joe Rogan's podcast. Because he, he, he uses a lot of colorful little language. language too. So you could say, I can't go on his podcast because of the language that he uses. But maybe God's opening a door for millions and millions of people to hear what... I watch war movies and they have a lot of terrible language. And I'll tell you what, that stuff doesn't defile me. I'm not saying it and I'm not thinking no, it. No, but we're not talking about the same... But to me, it's the same kind of Rogan's thing. Should podcast. I go on Rogan's podcast? Should I sing on this album? Right. It's however the Lord leads you. Mm -hmm. But because a Christian does go on there, we don't have the right to sit back and then judge him. Oh, you went on Joe Rogan's I had a podcast. I, we, have, we have a country store. We get our gas sometimes from five minutes away from us. And one of the ladies, we talk to her a lot at Pumps our gas, and all this I'm talking about. And one day we were talking, we told her testimony, just a quick one, something God had did. And she just goes, I go, I thought this was just so heartfelt because I knew, you know, I know her, this lady. She goes, God is so blankety blank awesome. And you know, she meant it yeah. in her heart. She didn't yeah. mean it to cuss God. She just, you know, she was smiling. She goes, wow. And I go, you know, so many believers would have took that link so offensively. That's the only way she knew how to express it. Yeah. It was like we're saying he's just amazingly awesome, but she just used mm -hmm. her a year, from, a year from now, she's going to be thinking about what she said and say, I can't believe I would say stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, you know, God sees the heart when we say, you know, he mm -hmm. knew what she was trying to say, you know. Good. Okay. All right. Let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, we'll look at verses 13. Are you thinking about Matthew and that 14. show we're watching? Remember you like Matthew character? Um, the Chosen. The Chosen? All right, Matthew 5, 13, 14, 15, 16. All right, let's read this in the old King James. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, looking at this and going back to 2 Corinthians 6, Come out from among them. 
How do I reconcile this? I think come out from among them means that you're, you're doing these things that they're doing. When you say come out from among them, it means separate yourself from the stuff they're doing more than anything else. Because okay. I know when I when I got saved, I'd, I'd uh, some of the people I would hire, they, I, I knew that they were drug, druggies and stuff. And I'd hire them anyway just to love on them and try to be a you know, witness to them. And the, when I came out from among them, I wasn't one of them anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. You can be among them without being like them. Being of them, yeah, yeah. You can physically be among them, but doesn't mean that you're heart embracing among them. Hmm. Okay. So that means I can hire them to work in my shop and we can both work on this Mustang engine. But now when they invite me to their coat party after work, I'm not going to go, right? And you're, st- you're, you're still the boss. And if, and, if, and if they're doing something you don't like, you can say, well, you don't have a job tomorrow. So I'm sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you look at what he says here. Ye are the salt of the earth. So yeah. he's talking to the disciples. Ye are the salt of the earth. So he's just putting it out there. And then salt's no good unless it's somewhere where it's preserving. In other words, it, it, it's got to be among something to, that needs to be preserved. Where could for Christians it to work? work if you had to come out from among all the unbelievers? Mm-hmm. Where could children go to school if they had to come? And he's not talking about don't be part of society. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, now, see, now we're getting into something else. All right. So does that mean that as a as a Christian parent, we're not supposed to take our child out of the public schools? I think that's again be Yeah, we did. Up to each, yeah. My my there. kids my kids weren't strong enough to be a light in the school. They were they would have been influenced. If I might note that and control a, um, a little note in there, I had a girl I used to go to youth group with. And she was homeschooled. We both were homeschooled. I mean, for anybody who didn't know, I was homeschooled. But um, this girl, even being homeschooled, her mom said it. She goes, she was a follower. And she already did crazy stuff, even being homeschooled and very, not isolated completely. I mean, she did sports and did fun stuff or whatever. But I looked at it as I go, you know, her mom knew she didn't need to be in the school system. But however, there's some kids, you know, they could do it, you know, and they did it. And their parents prayed about it, and they took it well. I personally think I could have did it either way, but I'm just saying, you know, who knows? I didn't know, you know, with the school mom knows I'm saying that. But however, I just go, you know, I think that is, like I said, the relationship with God, each each parent. But, you know, each kid is different. I mean, you might have one kid that is totally, you know, a follower, and then you might have one kid that's like, oh, man, I would never do that, you know, <laughs> and they never would, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and that's good. Because, you know, you knowing your child, right, just in a very practical example, mm-hmm. like you got a child that's, you know, kind of headstrong and they not going to, they, if they don't want to do it, they ain't going to do it, mm-hmm. right? Then that child may be better suited for an environment where there are some other differing ideas and not get tainted. But if you have another child that's more of a, a follower, that are going to be more more submissive to that peer pressure, then they may be in a they, they may be in danger in certain environments. So as a, as a parent, then you you know you recognizing this is like okay, well, I'm going to 
put my children in this environment to avoid them getting exposed to things that they shouldn't, right? Yeah. But if you, you know, but if you got, you know, two children that are just very headstrong, they're, you know, they have that leader type of independent mindset, they may be just the salt that's needed in their school, right? So, you know, again, because this, these are, these are real issues. These are real things because if everybody went to Kingdom Kids Academy or whatever Christian school there is, then where is going? Where is the salt? Exactly, going to be? it's the salt only among the salt. So all the salt, so all the salt is inside the shaker. So it's like <laughs> you, it's not, it's not flavoring anything. It's not preserving anything. It's just it's all not the, lighting up any darkness. It's safe in the cabinet, just sitting there. Well, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, particularly with education, that's part of the area I'm more familiar with. Every place has its light and its dark in it, even a Christian school. Mm -hmm. we've, <laughs> we've seen it all. Yep. So yeah. we're in the world. We're not of the world, but we are in the world. It, uh, God give us the grace to navigate for each one of our kids and for ourselves in the workplace or whatever we're doing. But we're always in the world, and we we all have a heart that that or a flesh that still remembers our our sinful times, as well as having the Holy Spirit that purifies everything and and will lead whenever we're willing to listen. So. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a moment by moment walking with the Lord, no matter what we're doing and no matter who we're around, even in a church building, you know, we all know what that really means because we've been there long enough and praise God, he's willing to be glorified in all of us anyway. So I don't think there's a safe place. There are some places that, you know, I guess look a little easier than others, but I know I know some kids that are in the public school and they would much rather be there because there's it's not the same hypocrisy, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's black and white. You can see everything. Whereas in a in the Christian school environment, it's much more complicated to yeah. discern. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's just my take on it. I agree, I agree. Mary. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's I've had so many friends like in youth group and stuff in some of the Christian schools. There was worse kids there than it was in public. Well, a lot of parents will put them in a in a Christian school thinking that mm -hmm. if they're a discipline problem, they can handle it better, and it, it really doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. No, obviously, they put everywhere else, and nobody else would take it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a really good uh, godly friend, and he he sent his daughter to a, a Christian university, and things didn't go well at all. And then, so pulled her out, and she went to, I think, Alabama, University of Alabama, did exceptionally well, raised everything. And he, he, he came to this conclusion, and it may have, you know, represented his situation, but he said, if you have a daughter going to a secular university, then she, she's able to easily... Uh, perceive or discern uh, the godly young man 
because if, if there's a godly young man at a big secular university, he's going to stick out. <laughs> really behaving godly, yeah. and he's really godly. Whereas maybe he's a young man, <laughs> yeah, and then whereas maybe a young man, he might could be more successful at a uh, at a Christian university rather than maybe a secular university because you know less temptations for him and um you know as far as you know picking a maid or choosing a maid it's easier you know to discern whereas you know say a godly young woman there but that that was just his take on mm -hmm. we, we heard a neat testimony the other day we we're eating lunch with a guy from colorado and he had five boys and there was this wild girl who met the father and she was evidently in trouble all the time. And then uh, she had a conversion, but because she had met the father and she spent some time with him, she said, I want to marry one of his sons because they're going to be like a father. Yes, and dad, she did. Can I marry a Barnes? She said, she asked her dad, can, can I marry a, uh, one of the Barnes boys? And she helped, she wasn't even dating him yet, but she ended up meeting one, falling in love and marrying him because the father, she figured that the kids must be like the dad. That's, is that neat? That's cool. Well, you so, know him. You know him. I mean, yeah. he, he, he's a neat guy. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, that's And really, that's the biggest influence any child has is what's going on in their home. Yeah, yeah. What are they seeing every day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. And what compliment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Read verse 16 again. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. It says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yeah. So one one thing that we I believe we are can come to a consensus to in is that to be in the world but not of it represents our presence in the world versus our allegiance. Mm -hmm. Because I can be in the world but be aligned. Uh, with the kingdom of God, just like a ambassador in of America can be in a foreign land, yeah. right? They can be there, they can be amongst the people or whatever, just and then mingle and then do business. But their allegiance is to where their their homeland, yes. and so it is with us. And there's something special about Christians. Uh, ask Terry, uh, a lot of times when we're in a store or going somewhere together, I'll see somebody and I'll know they're a Christian. Well, I don't ask them if they're a Christian. I'll walk up to them and say, how long have you been serving him? And they'll go, how'd you know? I say, it takes one to know one. They start laughing. But I've done that dozens of times. Dozens of times. You can just tell. Yep. They say, I know the way you talk right away. Yeah, good we were in a checkout line one time. This little girl in front of us talking to her mother, and I looked at her and I said, "You're homeschooled." She said, "How do you know?" I said, "The way you're talking to your mom, and you're talking like an adult." 
That's how I know. Yeah, we stuck out. <laughs> Everybody knew. But not most people were like, they were going, she can talk to them. And then I picked them out, or at least the kids are really close with their parents. Sometimes mm-hmm. they aren't. They're, like, you know, they're going around saying, <laughs> they're going to get. Yeah. I haven't talked to my mom. Like, mm-hmm. Why? BFFs and like When I was young, I like that, like, I couldn't stand uh, adults being, being around me because I didn't like my dad. And my mom was too busy to spend time with us because she had six kids. And I and I, I remember uh, when if, if I was in a room and two adults came in, I'd leave the house and go into another room. I didn't. They made me uncomfortable. Homeschool kids are the opposite. They've she's, only been around adults and they're very comfortable with them. Very, she was always very comfortable. Yeah. We have a grandson who uh, he, he got all A's on his report card a couple months back and he had one B and he was so upset and he was talking to me about it. I said, let's put this in perspective, Mason. I said, if I got all C's when I was your age, my dad would have bought me a car. <laughs> I said, let's put this in perspective, boy. Okay. <laughs> it's like, you're going to That's funny. All right, uh, closing scripture. Let's go to Big John, Gospel of John, chapter 17. This is um, Jesus' high priestly prayer here, what it's referred to as. And let's start at verse 13. And we're going to go down to verse 19. No, verse 18. In the New Living Translation says, Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they will be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. Mm -hmm. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Mm -hmm. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. So remembering when we're talking about being separate, being set apart. It's not about physical proximity. It's about our heart allegiance. Mm-hmm. Who who do we love? Who we align to? Who are we yoked with? And that's the distinction. Because if we are yoked together with the Holy Spirit, being led by him, then when we're in the proximity of those who are not, then that light is going to shine. The salt is going to do something in that atmosphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you again next week. Good night.